This episode is brought to you by Greg Morris Cards. If you're looking to unload your collection and maybe turn some of that old cardboard into cash, Greg Morris can help. Greg's always buying collections of vintage basketball, baseball, football, or hockey cards. And if you have modern or ultra-modern graded cards, he'll buy those as well. On top of all that, Greg takes cards on consignment. Go to gregmorriscards.com to sell them your cards, or you can email joe at gregmorriscards.com directly. What's up, everyone? This is episode 140 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle. And as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast, and my Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. All right, well, in case you missed it, we have signs of life for upcoming 2021 22 NBA products. Not a lot, but it was something. A little over a week ago, Panini teased the new hoops design on their Instagram. It looks very um, early 1990s Upper Deck inspired to me, which is not a bad thing. Um, I think some people are really going to like that. It certainly has a nostalgic yet modern look to it. Um, And as a lot of you know, hoops used to come out in October, and that was starting to trend a little later, even before covid Now we have no clue when it's coming out, and that's led to some people um, speculating on how many products we actually have left for 2020. I see this question a lot. What's left? It's a good question, so I thought I'd start off today with um, what we know, and just keep in mind that all of these dates are subject to change. So um, Panini just released Recon on October 27th. Maybe you've seen some of that already. You might remember that from Chronicles last year. It's a standalone now. And aside from being a blatant sticker dump, some of the inserts look pretty cool. Um, It is, of course, paralleled to death like a lot of new products, but um, at least check out some of the designs. There are some in there that I liked. Um, As of right now, though, I've seen dates for three upcoming products. On November 24th, we're supposed to get Chronicles. On December 1st, we're supposed to get Mosaic. And then on December 8th, we're supposed to get Panini 1 and 1. And that leaves us to guess at what's left. So... You know, keep in mind the next part here is purely speculation. Um, we know we're getting a standalone Flux product, you know, another thing from Chronicles, but we just don't know when. Um, I think Immaculate and Flawless are about as, uh, you know, as safe of a bet as any. I doubt they get rid of Contenders Optics, so we'll probably see that too. They might be able to shed a couple of higher end sets that we would normally see or maybe we've seen in the past, uh, maybe Opulence. I don't think we were going to get Eminence anyway, but if we were, maybe a good time to get rid of that. Um, probably Encased is a no-go because of the grading backlog. And then as for the cheaper stuff, we've already seen the status and aspirations parallels in Elite, so um, we might not see a standalone status, or at least not a, definitely not a good version of it. Last year, we they didn't have those parallels either, and it was an Asian exclusive. It wasn't really status. It was just a product called status. Um, I don't know if we'll get that now. And then I'm hoping that Hoops Premium and Illusions are gone for good, which those were both decent-looking products, but I felt like they were kind of forever ruined by 
being printed to the moon. So there's a combination of what we know and what I think might happen or what I hope might happen. Um, But who knows? Only time will tell. In the meantime, speaking of products that were mass printed, I've got something very different for you today. If you follow me on social media, you might have seen a picture I posted of some select hangers I found at Walmart this past weekend. It was like manna from the gods. If you subscribe to my YouTube, you know that I opened all of them and it was a fun little rip. Uh, What I didn't talk about on the video, however, was the fact that there was some major drama leading up to the moment I acquired them. Believe it or not, an older lady pulled out her pepper spray and threatened the rest of us card people that were waiting patiently nearby, something I certainly uh, didn't expect to get myself into. So I think that's a story that deserves some attention. Um, With that being said, I've recreated the incident for today's episode, sound effects and all, and that will be today's main segment. So you want to make sure to stay tuned for that. In the meantime, I've got a couple pieces of mail that I'm excited to share with you. Can you guess what team they're from? I'll give you a moment here. Yes, that's right, you guessed it. It's your 2-6 and six Indiana Pacers, who I will still watch religiously uh, no matter what they're doing. Um, so yes, I got two Pacers cards in this week. The first card I want to talk about is a 2017-2018 Panini Status Draft Knights Autograph Inscriptions, numbered 8 of 8, a former Pacers first-round pick, TJ Leaf. Yes, I actually bought another TJ Leaf card, but I like this set, and I'm pretty sure I've talked about Draft Night Autos on here before. I know I've crowned the 2018 and 2019 versions as the best sticker auto Panini has ever created. I'll touch more on that in a moment. Uh, the, The idea, though, behind the Draft Night Auto is this. After players are drafted, Panini pulls them aside and gives them a certain number of jumbo stickers to sign. The numbers varied a bit in the first year. Um, And then players had a variation on top of that. In 2018 and 2019, though, they were both numbered to 32. But um, no matter what amount they had to sign, though, it's not the next day that they signed them. It's not a week later or anything like that. As the set states, it's literally a draft night auto. And to me, that's cool for several reasons. Number one, it's a historically significant evening. Number two, these are the first pro autographs that these guys sign. And the stickers are larger, so that combo kind of leads to sometimes a neater, uh, nicer signature that looks a lot different than what you'll see later in the year. And then number three, in an era where we've had a few autograph controversies, there's no mistaking who actually signed these. Um, You know, personally, I think the 2018 Luca Status Draft Night Auto is is one of his most important cards. And I think it will still be one of his most important even if we get ironclad evidence that he signed everything all along. Um, you know, as far as the draft night auto goes, there was never any doubt on that one. So I'm pretty sure Panini has images of him signing them. Um, to the best of my knowledge, the first pack pulled set to follow this format was 2017 status. Uh, there was an autograph set in 2012-2013 hoops called draft night autographs, but I've never seen confirmation that they were actually signed on draft night. They didn't use the jumbo stickers. And then on top of that, the Anthony Davis was a redemption. So that wouldn't make much sense. Um, You know, in the past, I didn't think much of this 2017 inaugural version, even though I'm, I'm, you know, raving about it today. Um, I didn't recognize the significance of a draft night auto at the time. I thought they were kind of ugly. 
Um, and then back then I was laser focused on buying patches anyway. Well, as many of you know, in 2018 I became a quote-unquote status truther and really dug into that product, which was retail only. Um, they more or less fixed the draft night autos. The card, you know, in that time, in 2018, was more built around the sticker and they gave it a cool shadow box-like effect. They did the same thing with the 2019 version, even though it moved to Illusion. So it showed me that they can make good-looking sticker autographs if they really want to. So um, now that I have my Aaron Holiday and my Goga for 2018 and 2019, it has me looking back to 2017 to try and complete that three-year run. The Pacers had three rookies that year in the set, uh, TJ Leaf, E.K. Anabogu, and Edmund Sumner. And two of those three guys have an inscriptions parallel, which is just like it sounds. I've heard friends refer to it as the gold parallel before. Um, that's what I thought it was called, too, before I researched for this episode here, um, because the background is gold instead of the normal pastel. But they're technically called inscriptions. I've seen a mock-up online where Lonzo wrote a 20, Lonzo Ball wrote a 2017 NBA draft uh, inscription on his, but um, that was just a mock-up. All of them that I've seen simply write out the number of pick that they were. So uh, my TJ Leaf says number 18 pick, and it probably should have read, why didn't you draft OG instead, but um, I digress. Now I need to track down a reasonable copy for Anabogu and Sumner if I can. Okay, the second card I want to talk about is a 2004-2005 Skybox EXL Credentials Futures card of David Harrison, numbered 1 out of 11. And this was from the last year that the original Fleer company produced credentials. Technically, Upper Deck made some after they bought Fleer's intellectual rights. So they were still Fleer, but at the same time, they weren't. Uh, I guess a better way to put it is that the 2004 was the last pre-bankruptcy version of credentials. And for those of you that missed it, I ran through the entire history of Credentials Parallels all the way back on episode 25. Um, in the late 90s, most of them were manufactured using an acetate material. In the early 2000s, they moved to more of a paper-based stock. Uh, they still had the mirrored, uh, mirrored numbering, though. And what that means is this. With the exception of the 96 version that was numbered to 499, most versions had a now version and a futures version that totaled up to a certain number. And in 2004, for whatever reason, that number was 108. So the now version for David Harrison was numbered to 97, uh, relatively easy to find. And the futures version was numbered to 11, and was much more difficult to track down. Well, a couple months ago, I was browsing eBay, and one got listed. The only problem was it was from an Australian seller. And this isn't necessarily a, a super valuable card, even though it's rare. Um, and then the shipping was going to be something like $40. So I posted a story on my Instagram in the off chance that anyone else was looking to buy a card from this same seller. I figured we could combine shipping and save a little bit of money. Um, and it turns out there's a Facebook group that does that. I wasn't aware of it until after the fact. So if you ever see a card you want from a seller in Australia, you might want to keep that in mind. But... Uh, anyway, not long after I posted that, an Australian listener named Grayson reached out to me and said, is the card you were trying to buy the David Harrison's credentials? I said it was, and he said, great, the seller happens to live five minutes from me, I bought it, 
and I'll shoot it over to you as a thank you for all the hours of info and entertainment you provided me. Well, that card showed up this week, and it really means a lot to me for several reasons. Number one, it's a rare pre-Panini Pacers card, numbered to 11, that I probably won't ever see again. And I know we see a lot of Panini cards numbered to 10. I feel like they're all still fairly accessible. Um, the pre-Panini stuff is difficult, though, because it's either locked up in PCs or stuck in a box somewhere. Or some of it's just been lost or destroyed. And in this case, the card was in Australia, so who knows how long it had been there. Um, number two, it means a lot to me because David was kind enough to come on the show, um, you'll remember way back when, and, and he certainly didn't have to. I, I think it's safe to say he had nothing to gain from the whole experience. Um, he was very down-to-earth and was willing to talk about any subject I ask about, including the malice at the palace. So, you know, very thankful for, to David for that. Um, and then the third reason why this card means a lot to me, most importantly, it, it was just such a kind gesture from Grayson. Not only did he read my story, not only does he you know, look at my content, but um, he then bought the card and he paid to ship it to me. And I, I know I've shared stories from some of the hobby's bad actors from time to time. Well, there are some really good people in this hobby too. And every time I see that card now, the first thing I'm going to think about is Grayson and how he was so kind to me. Um, so thanks again, Grayson. And, and shout out to all of my listeners in Australia. I want you guys to know um, that I appreciate you. All right, before I move into today's main segment, I want to take a moment to remind you how you can support this show. As you guys know, there are costs that go into producing a podcast. One of my goals is to always keep the show itself free. As a result, I've signed up for affiliate programs with eBay and Fanatics. If you'd like to help support this show in this way, go to www.waxmuseumpodcast.com, click whatever store you need to go to, shop as planned, and the show gets a small commission in the process. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. Hustle, grind, spam, profit. We're the Rip Gods. You're listening to the Wax Museum Podcast. Okay, so as you guys know, finding any basketball retail has been a bit of a nightmare going on a little over a year and a half now. And um, I'm not a fan of waiting in lines and driving from store to store now for a couple of reasons. Number one, I don't think most Panini products are even worth it. And then number two, I have a job and I don't have the time or the energy to do all that. And that's not a slight to anyone that does it. It's just, it's not for me. Um, in fact, the last time I stood in a line was probably back in March because I had learned about a short-lived Target procedure on Friday mornings, uh, and I happened to have that day off because of spring break. I think I talked about that on an episode back then. I showed up with the hopes of finding Prism. I came home with six fat packs of Donruss instead, uh, which was, even though it, it was nice to find cards, um, Donruss itself was kind of disappointing. So, uh, anyway, this past weekend, Mrs. Wax Museum and I were hitting up some garage sales, and she said, hey, if we stop by Walmart on the way, I need to grab a few groceries real quick. So we did, and I figured since we're there, we might as well see if there are any cards. We had no clue what we were about to get ourselves into. So we parked by the opposite entrance, meaning we had to make that long walk across all the registers. You guys know the one 
where you're running perpendicular to all the people that are desperately trying to make their escape. Uh, we finally make our way to the card aisle, and I see that it's blocked off. I take a closer look, and I had to do a bit of a double take. There in front of me are several large boxes that, in big bold letters, say MJ Holding on the side. And for those of you that don't know, this is the company that stocks sports and entertainment cards for Walmart. I've heard stories of people trying to hunt these people down from store to store, so to randomly run into one in the wild was a bit of a shock. That's never happened to me in all of my years of collecting. So, as I'm gawking at the aisle to see if I could get a closer look, a small group of gentlemen got my attention to politely let me know that they had already formed a line in the women's clothing section that was across the way. It's across that big uh, main aisle up by the main entrance. So, um, you know, they were disguised pretty well prior to that, but once I saw them, though, I knew they were card people. I mean, one guy even had a ponytail coiled up like a snake on the inside of his baseball cap. And I would later find out that he was the quote-unquote leader of the whole operation. So I turned to the missus and said, you might as well go get the groceries and I'll stay here to hold my spot. Um, I didn't plan on waiting in line. I really didn't want to wait in line, but there were only a handful of people there and I knew there was a chance the rep had some optic with him which is a product that I, you know, historically I really enjoy opening. So um, while I was there, I chatted with the guy in front of me, and, and I found out he was a Pokemon guy, and um, he knew the three guys in front of us and explained that they were card guys, but that they were always fair. And he said typically they'll dump everything that's worthwhile into a cart, they'll move to another section, and then they'll peacefully divvy things up. Um, and it was around this time where their leader, the Ponytail Tucker, ask me what I was looking for. I said, well, I'm looking for basketball, and he nodded and said he'd make sure I'd get some if it was there. So seeing as I was the fifth in line, I knew there had to be at least you know, five of something desirable for me to even have a shot. We waited another half hour or so before an older woman bypassed the line and stood right next to the cart that was blocking the cart aisle. Um, I had already watched her go off on an anti-mask tangent in front of the registers, seemingly unprovoked, but I didn't think much of it. One, because this was a Walmart, and two, because I was there for cards, and she certainly didn't strike me as a card person. But you'll find out in a moment, I was very wrong. Um, I asked the person who was next to me uh, if he knew her, and he said he had never seen her before. Um, and, and this was not really a lady that just blends in with the card crowd. She was wearing like a, uh, I guess you'd call it like a Homburg hat, with a, a feather on the side of it, like uh, she was Yankee Doodle or something, or I guess maybe like Johnny Tremaine. I mean, I don't know her real name, so for the sake of this story, uh, I'll just call her Jenny, Jenny Tremaine. So by now, Mrs. Wax Museum was done getting her groceries, and she was waiting for me, so she got a first-hand look at everything that transpired from this point forward as well. Um, so I've said it on here before, I'll say it again, she is a trooper. Um, so it was at this point that the Pony Tucker, let's call him P.T., uh, P.T. chimed in and told the rest of the group, Ah, this is the lady that snuck in through the home and garden section one time and then cleared all of the Pokemon off the shelf. She's the kind of person that will grab everything. I'm going to let her know we have a line over here. So he walks over there and very politely tells her something like, uh, excuse me, ma'am. We already have a line just across the way, and we've been waiting here for almost an hour. 
We'd be happy to share with you if you wait in line with the rest of us. Well, there was no turning back at this point. P.T. had just flipped a switch that, before now, was unknown to all of us, but now we were very aware of it. So, Jenny's glare became laser sharp, and her voice turned into more of a shriek. I'm here to get cards for the kids! You guys are just scalpers and you're disgusting! What followed was a series of shrill F-bombs and firm pointing gestures. That is not how shopping works. You don't form a line for the hamburger buns when they're being stopped. You just walk over and grab them. And that's what I'm going to do here. Those of us that were waiting talked quietly amongst ourselves because, you know, how do you follow that? What do you say? Um, I wasn't part of the regular card crew, so I just kind of stayed back. You know, I didn't come here for this. I just wanted some optic. So, a second person politely approached her, because for whatever reason, he got the impression that she was a rational person um, that could be reasoned with. Ma'am, we're willing to share. All we ask is that you wait in line like the rest of us. Jenny's head turned mechanically toward us, like a sprinkler. Her eyes turned black, and once more she focused her soulless gaze on the handful of us waiting patiently in the women's clothing. You guys assaulted me at another store. Our group exchanged a series of quick, baffled looks. Yes, you assaulted me at another store, and that's not gonna happen this time around. I got my pepper spray, and I'll use it. She was still across the main aisle from us, so there was quite a bit of space, but she did have a green canister of pepper spray, and she did take it out of her purse. I mean, I saw it. So, you know the meme of Homer Simpson retreating into the bushes? That was me at this point, except uh, replace those bushes with a rack of leggings. And this was not my battle. I wasn't engaging in any of this, but somehow I got sucked into it because of my love for little cardboard pictures of men. And truth be told, I wasn't in any real danger, save for feeling incredibly awkward, because you see, a small crowd had started to form, because this was abnormal, um, even for a Walmart. Nonetheless, Mrs. Wax Museum and I decided it was worth sticking out. The MJ Holdings rep should be done any minute now, we'd waited a long time, we couldn't leave now, and we kind of wanted to see what was going to go down with Jenny Tremaine. How would she fare in her battle against the... Uh, retail redcoats. In the meantime, another one of the card people went to get a manager, stating, I am not going to get pepper sprayed over baseball cards. He astutely realized there are a lot of things in this life worth fighting for. Bowman Megas are not one of them. Well, the manager, or at least someone wearing a Walmart name tag, I should say, comes over and hears both sides and the card people calmly explained the situation and how they'd been doing this for almost two years now with no issues. When they got to the point of the story where she was dropping F-bombs, Jenny cut them off. I did not cuss. You can check the cameras. To which I was thinking, yes, please check the cameras. She most certainly did, and, and that was beside the point. Um, it wasn't long before the Walmart employee realized that Jenny was not a rational person. Yet his name tag showed the battle scars of someone who had seen horrible things before. This 
Just seemed like another day for him, and he laughed it off. He probably realized there wasn't anything he could do. Uh, there wasn't anything that any of us could do with this lady. Case in point, one of the card people went to another section of the store and brought her an entire basket full of Pokemon boxes. Apparently, she didn't even know they were back there. Jenny looked at them. You could practically see her heart thawing for a second or two before the switch flipped again. Because to her, accepting a peace offering from the other side, even if it made perfect sense, was equivalent to accepting defeat. And that wasn't going to happen. You can't just throw any random box at these kids. They have specific requests. Well, it turned out that these mystery kids wanted the exact same boxes that the supposed scalpers on the other side of the aisle did. What are the odds of that? Anyway, it was about this time that the rep was finished stocking. Jenny was going to get there first. MJ Holdings wasn't going to stop her. Uh, the maybe manager wasn't going to stop her. The card people weren't going to stop her. Uh, the ghost of Sam Walton wasn't going to stop her. Nothing short of the rip gods themselves were going to get between this lady and her Pikachu deck. And on this day, the rip gods were not there. So the aisleway opened up and she filled her basket with four large Pokemon boxes. And PT made some kind of comment toward her and she snapped back. I have four grandchildren. Her four fingers webbed out, pointing at us like four switchblades in the process. At this point, PT calmly toyed with her. Ah, uh, I do too. He nodded to the rest of the group. Uh, maybe he has grandkids, and maybe he does too. He stopped with me because, even though I'm balding, I'm not gray. PT grabbed the only Optic Mega and watched on as the rest of the card people performed their assigned roles. Mainly, put all the worthwhile sports boxes into the cart so that they can be divvied up in the moments that followed. I saw probably 30 select hangers, but I understood that my success in this scenario depended on them, so I simply followed suit. Um, I know this all seemed like it was going to end in a major showdown between sides. Thankfully, for me at least, it didn't. And the people that were already doing the right thing conceded and life moved on. I know it doesn't seem right, you know, unfortunately, but that's the way it is sometimes. Uh, Jenny Tremaine scurried back to whatever hole she had crawled out of before this whole thing went down, and she got what she wanted, so I'm sure she feels even more invincible moving forward. Uh, but for the most part, the rest of us got what we wanted, too. We retreated to the women's clothing section and piled everything into a single cart. PT went around the circle and distributed everything equally, according to what each person actually wanted, and I have to give him credit. He was good to me, and he made sure I got my fair share. I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Otherwise, I wouldn't have had a chance. You know, they didn't leave anything. Um, I walked away with seven hangers, and I probably could have gotten more, but seven was enough for me. What I also walked away with, however, was a not-so-subtle reminder that there will always be people that don't play by the rules even when they're designed for the greater good. And as you guys know, this hobby has systems in place to protect people. Some are formally laid out, others are not. Uh, there will always be people that buck the system. Sometimes they're easy to spot. You know, maybe they're like Jenny and they have lasers shooting out of their eyes. And sometimes they're not so easy to spot. They've found a way to blend in with the card people and, and some of them have done so for years. All of that is to say, don't be a Jenny play by the rules, be willing to bring new people into your circle, 
take care of the people around you, and in return, they'll probably help look after you. I know all of that sounds very simplistic. That's because it is. It doesn't have to be difficult. Sometimes we just need a simple reminder. Um, hopefully my story was that reminder for you today. Alright, well there you have it. Maybe there was something I said today that resonated with you. Maybe you've had a crazy experience of your own recently. Feel free to reach out to me on social media. You can find me on Instagram under Podcast or Twitter under the handle PC. If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to support the show by doing all of your eBay purchasing through the link on my site, which is www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. There's a big eBay logo at the top. Click that, and it should give me a small percentage of whatever you purchase in the 24 hours that follow. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcast. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store. Tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast. <laughs>